Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel. Now, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the previous episode with Dr. Judy Krings. She offered us five brain-based strategies to whip up our well-being And she talked in general about the value of having some basic knowledge about neuroscience and some practices that would help us increase well-being. And she also spoke about how coaches can help their clients with this new knowledge and these practices. Well, today, we're going to continue on the theme of exploring neuroscience and why it's such a hot topic and creating an explosion of curiosity in all kinds of fields. It's become significant beyond medical science into the field of day-to-day human development and spirituality, helping us understand how working with knowledge of our brain is creating the new human and the new world. Today's guest, Dr. Linda Clough, who's exploring and practicing this very topic, will offer her learnings, her insights, practices, And Linda's going to share with us why she's so excited about neuroscience and how it's impacting her, her clients and the world and how together we have the potential to co-create the new human and the new world. So Linda, before I formally introduce you, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So what's it like in New York City today, Linda? The sun is shining, and that's such a good feeling. We've had a lot of April rain, um, but that means the blooms are extraordinary. Oh, how gorgeous. I can just imagine it, yeah. Spring in New York City is gorgeous. It really is. Mm, Beautiful image comes to me. It couldn't be more appropriate for Linda to chat with me on this topic because Linda Clough, PhD, is the founder and director of Life Unlimited, the Centre for Human Possibility. She's a licensed psychologist with over two decades of training and experience working with all kinds of people. In her practice, she draws from a formidable toolbox of cutting-edge modalities that include mindfulness meditation and the present moment breath and voice work. She includes guided imagery and she focuses on communication and relational intelligence and so much more. If I were to read out all her credentials and experience, you'd never get to hear her speak. So trust me, she's so well researched across many, many disciplines, Eastern and Western traditions, and offers a truly holistic, integrative perspective to the world and her clients and to herself. I've personally known Linda for 15 years and I know her to be the real deal. So as a start to our conversation, I'm curious, Linda, what might have been some of the threads in your earlier development and your professional experience that have led you to where you are now? Um, It's a nice question, Robin. I was always searching for something from the time I was young. And I was quite successful in living, but it felt to me kind of like the Peggy Lee song, Is That All There Is? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, I believe there was something else. So I have... In my early life, I kept searching. I couldn't articulate what I was searching for. I just kept searching. And one day I was in a training workshop um, as a participant. And all of a sudden I had some experiences. Um, The first was 
a direct experience of my heart opening and an experience of loving everything that was. And that was in itself life changing. And the other experience I had that same day was um, like veils coming off my eyes and seeing without judgment. And I couldn't have used those words that day. But in that experience, I knew, ah, I had found what I was looking for. At the time, I called it enlightenment. (laughs) And um, nothing less than that. But it doesn't matter what I called it. What was really important was that experience that day became a guiding vision for me. Um, So I was willing to do whatsoever it took in the King's English to live in the free way that I lived for three weeks after that leadership workshop. And what do I mean by the free way? I loved myself. I felt this participation with life in a way that was intimate and non-judging. And I saw clearly reality. I couldn't have used those words then, but easy to use them now. So to make a, a long journey short, I just committed myself to what I knew life could really be for me and for others. So it became a guiding vision that I wanted for myself. I wanted to live in this place, which now I call the new human. Mm. And I wanted to help others do the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, your beautiful website, Life Unlimited, um, has this theme running through it from fear to freedom. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a strong thread in your work. And you've just touched on this notion of being very free from this experience that you had and what it opened up for you and all the possibilities that you saw and the potential um, that existed. Do we say good riddance to fear or do we work with it? So when you talk about from fear to freedom, can you just give us a sense of what, you know, what you're working with when you do that? I mean, how you address that topic um, and fear doesn't disappear mm-hmm. um, in my book, in my experience. I think for a very small percentage of people, fear might disappear. So I don't want to talk for everybody. But I haven't seen that in more than two decades in my world. I also think we're talking about fear Um, in a personal way and fear in a collective way. The fear, the flight, the fight, the freeze as a way of surviving. So historically, as people, we learned how to survive when we were hunters and traders and things like that. Um, through those mechanisms. And if we're talking about the brain, we're talking about through the old brain, which is at the back of the skull, and through the midbrain, we learned how to survive that way. So what's very interesting in terms of people today, we don't live in the jungle. We don't live in the world of um, lions coming at us in any moment. But in a developmental sense, we are very helpless when we're from conception to birth to um, when we're young and we're growing up. And so uh, we develop survival tools and those tools are really what keep us alive. But they also, oftentimes, they may they pay a price. So what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, is saying, 
we have a new part of the brain that has emerged over time, over brain evolution, called the neocortex. And that part of the brain, as we understand it and learn how to use it properly, is an opportunity for each of us, no matter what our material wealth or success, to evolve ourselves mm. and each of us to support others in evolving their self. Because I heard you say in a in a collective, collaborative way, Robin, and um, I think that's a really important part here. So we can shift. That's the freedom part. And I actually feel like we could expand the words fear because some of us um, might not resonate to, oh, I'm afraid, but we could expand them, let's say, into overwhelm, burned out, um, um, overloaded, stressed. That all comes from a survival way of living mm. and yeah i love those kind of synonyms that you're talking about that's more reflective of today's world exactly um, when, if you think about people working or the stresses in families exactly um, or the stresses in companies yep, yep. the stresses in partnerships mm-hmm. um and um the imbalance the work-life mm-hmm. imbalance is so it kind of mm, sorry. So I mean I'm wondering, is it like fear of not coping? Um and so that sends all kinds of other signals that then puts us into a mode where we're not living our best life, we're kind of surviving rather than flourishing. Correct. Mm. Yes. And those are two different worlds. And yeah. in a in a neuroscience sense. We could say that we have an autonomic nervous system and when the sympathetic autonomic nervous system is dominant, we have a hyperactive nervous system in our brain and in our embodied brain, which is called our body. And um, it's hypervigilant, um, it's mistrusting, mm-hmm. it's always on guard, um, it needs to be in control because it's dangerous to live in the unknown. Do you get the, the picture? Yeah. But then we have another part. We have another aspect to the nervous system, which is the parasympathetic. Now, we need both. So we're talking about which is dominant. The parasympathetic, we're calm, which allows us to really connect with our true center, which we might call many by many names, our essential self, our innate, unconditioned self. So if we're living from this core, this positive core that transcends the individual learned self, um, and the parasympathetic is dominant over the sympathetic, then we can really flourish. So I'm saying, I'm giving you the neuroscience terms for the, the shift. Very good. So I've read in your writings that you talk about we have this second chance to choose our lives. Mm-hmm. Is, um, I get a sense this is where you're heading with what you've just said. Right. Um, so, um, I don't need to say what everyone else is saying, what you all know, but I'll say it anyhow. I don't need to say that if we're talking about how can we flourish, how could we increase our well-being, how could we become new humans, we need to sleep, we need to exercise, we need to eat Uh, properly and take nutrients that are appropriate. Um, We, so we, that's so popular now in the mass culture, but there is something else that I focus on in addition to all those things, which we do need. 
And that is, what did I learn growing up? What did you learn about who you are? Do you have an underlying low self-esteem? A low, do I have low confidence, self-confidence? Do I feel um, at a deep level afraid of life, mistrust myself um, or you? Um, so if we're, if we have sort of lost our connection with that innate self, which is our inner wisdom, if we have lost our connection with that, we get dominated by who we were told we were, mm. who we learned we were, and who we were told the world is. Right. And that's, um, that's a limited, small view of what's possible as a human being, especially now with our neocortex. Mm. So when we start to think, um, well, what can we flourish into? That's when we start to think about the second chance. So I'm gonna tell two stories because I think that might be a good way of demonstrating two stories of people that I've worked with. Great. One, I'm gonna call Susan. I've changed the names and the details. Um, for, you know, privacy. Mm -hmm. So Susan is a, a very well-respected professor and was recently contacted me to do, um, one of the things I do is help people um, work through their fear of public speaking. And she contacted me because she w had just published I think her third book, and she was asked to do three presentations um, across the world from where she lived. And she was terrified. She was terrified. And so here we are, we have this very successful person. And what would I say? I would call her early sense of self, her learned personality, was that she was really entrenched in the pictures she developed of herself, which were making her afraid to even take the plane. Mm. And um, to different degrees, perhaps all of us could identify with that, to different degrees, and it's the degree that's important, mm -hmm. you know? So, the work that we did was, do you realize that there's another place that you could stand, not being so identified with being inadequate, worthless, um, do you hear all the judgments, do you know? Even though she knew that wasn't true, her emotions were very strong and she didn't have another place to stand. So we developed another place to stand. If we call it the mindful self, it's a place that has perspective on the learned beliefs, attitudes, opinions that she grew up with about herself and the world. So she so could now, go meta to herself. That's, that's right. Yeah. Um, the way I talk about it is she could differentiate. Uh-huh. Yes. She could differentiate her learned self from her self that is a witness, that doesn't judge, mm -hmm. that just observes. Mm -hmm. um, I heard Deepak Chopra talking the other day. I love the example he gave. I hope you and the audience love it as much, but feel free not to. <laughs> um, the, he says... You see a red car in the street. You don't say, I am that red car. You say, I see the red car. He said, same thing with your feelings, your beliefs. Nice. You don't say, you say, I see 
uh, a depressed part of me. I see an anxious part of me. I see a burned out, you know, behavioral, that's, right? That's great. Yeah. So it's I like, like from, it. thank you. <laughs> I see it's great because the, the key point here is all of that learned stuff Mm-hmm. Is not the truth. Mm-hmm. It needs to be respected, in my humble opinion. It needs to be listened to, to be healed and transcended. It does not need to be identified with as mm-hmm. your true self. Mm-hmm. So the more we develop an anchor in our mindful self, our witnessing presence, which is connected to our innate wisdom, Um, and maybe we don't even have to distinguish between the two, then we have the opportunity to go, so what's my response to this part of me that's in massive grief or depression or um, behaviors that are killing me, literally, you know, and become aware. First is, can I become aware of my habit? right? Mm-hmm. Of my, my beliefs that I have. The second is now I have the right to choose. Now I have the ability to choose. Do I want to continue with that behavior, that belief, that emotion? Do I want to begin to shift out of it? So instead of um, something happens and you go, oh no, right? You know, I've been invited to this conference uh, to give four talks and it's, oh, no, because I'm terrified as Susan, my client, or you go, what an opportunity, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. A real shift, whatever it is, whatever it is. So you begin to shift and that's the work um, telling you the specifics. is too long. But what is important here is if we talk, go back to the neocortex, is that in the middle of our forehead is what's called the mid prefrontal cortex. That is the executive brain. That is the place that the more we become aware, as I've talked to you about, about these two places to stand, the more we do things like meditate, um, like come into the present moment, the more we develop the ability to go pause, awareness, aha, no judgment, That's my old response. I have a second chance of how I want to respond and what I believe about myself and what's possible in the world. So do you see how it opens up an incredible possibility? The, uh, you know, by developing this part, there's research that actually documents that if you start to do things that bring you increasingly into the present moment, more neurons will grow. Mm-hmm. The, the neurons will be thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and you'll, if you, even if you leave the neuroscience out, you'll have an inner dialogue that's possible. And once you have that inner dialogue that's possible, you also have the, the ability to hear other people in, com- in conversation, mm. in communication, and to speak your authentic yeah. self. Yeah. So what I'm getting from this is that you acknowledge the wholeness of it. Correct. um, In an unjudging or non-judgmental way. Right. And you consciously start to take on new, you know, you make choices after you're aware of this, taking on new thinking patterns, new habits and so on. So this this notion of wholeness – is uh, is of curiosity to me, and I know that you focus on that. And another term too that comes up is embodiment, so mm-hmm. or enactment, so that you you actually take on the this new sensibility that you have about yourself and integrate it into the whole of you, which includes Correct. your body. So it's not just a right. head thing, right? 
Um, it, it, and it's, it's not just an emotional thing. It's And it's not just a spiritual thing. It's right. all of it. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, if you want, we could say that perhaps mm. like right now, as we're talking, a person who's listening to us or several are getting what we're saying intellectually. So we don't want to put that down, but that's the first step. Right. It's kind of like what Rilke said. He it's 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 letters to a young poet is the book. And in it, he says, do not ask for answers, because even if given to you, they're not yours. You haven't lived them. Oh, yes. You won't be able to live them. Yes. So live your questions and someday you'll live your way into the answer. So my sense of evolution is that we all are designed to evolve Mm -hmm. and it's it's an organic process it doesn't need to be spearheaded by our conscious mind matter of fact it can't be that's not where our evolution is coming from Mm. now it might be a first step but we we have a spirit, you know, we have that innate self that's intuitive, inspirational. That's really what's guiding us. And when you said to live from non-judgment, that's absolutely true. But an even stronger word that I would like to introduce is to be compassionate, to really live with an inner compassion for yourself and for others. You, you know, and this is the new human that we are, in fact, evolving into with this and new information that we have about our prefrontal cortex and about wholeness and, and about yeah, embodiment. Yes. You know, like it's not Descartes, I think, therefore I am. It's no. not that. It's like, where do our feelings live? Mm-hmm. Well, they live in our body, mm-hmm. but we have to really bring awareness into our body. That's really critical. You know, where does our um, formless, unconditioned self live? You know, well, it's energy. Mm -hmm. It's, you might call it chi energy. You might call it higher power. Mm -hmm. But you need to be able to fine tune your awareness so that you could sense and feel in whatever modality your energy your energy, you know? So how do you help people feel this sense of their body? Because we do live so much in our heads and we are, and we do accept emotions and the role of emotions increasingly. So that's something also kind of newish. Um, right. So is there I, some practice wanna, or something yeah, about well, embodiment? Um, there is. And um, actually we could do something, if you like, right now so that, we all experience, but there are a million kinds of practices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing I'd like to say is if, if you're inclined, the thing that I find very interesting about this place in evolution where we are right now is I think it's part of the blueprint, but what's necessary is that we, each of us needs to choose it. Mm-hmm. So that we, when you use the word co-create, we need to co-create ourselves. So that means we're working with, you know, um, the conditioned self and the unconditioned self. And we're choosing, we're choosing. It's it's not going to happen without our choosing it. I find that very interesting. Mm. Don't you, Robin? Mm. Absolutely, yep. So because unless to- you make that choice... Um, you you just, can't consciously move in that direction. Exactly. And um, so I I find, and but what also I find really interesting is it's not just like all the other steps in evolution, mm-hmm. um, which just showed up. Yeah. We, because, mm, we, go ahead, go ahead. You know, when you were telling your story right at the beginning about you were in that workshop and you had almost this moment where you, you know, you 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 sense this um, love about yourself. That wasn't was that that wasn't a choosing though. Are we talking about something different? 
I mean, that um, was almost well, that's like a good a, point. That's um, a transformational it, moment that sometimes right. you don't that's, choose. You know, the, you know, that's interesting. Um, that's very good, Robin, because I think two <laughs> things happen. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm glad you say I said something good. Oh, <laughs> I'm playing with you. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm glad you're glad because that's you did. So it's but it's very interesting to me. You see, I think um, if we could bear with the word God or the universe drops little experiences uh, into our laps. Oh, nice. You know, um, so I had been in an experience um, that you know, I wasn't choosing drops an experience into your, uh, our lap and says, mm-hmm. this is possible, honey, this mm-hmm. is possible. And then you either recognize it or you don't recognize it. Then I said, that is a transformational moment mm-hmm. that if, however, a lot of people keep wanting to um, have those moments drop back into their lap without doing the dark and hard, dirty work, without dealing with their own shadow, without dealing with the collective shadow. I I don't think that's possible. Mm, I get it, yeah. 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 But I think it's interesting that we get lots of lovely little opportunities and big opportunities that, you know, if Mm. we recognize them Mm -hmm. as such. and. And so it's what we choose to focus on to bring into our life. Exactly. Like that's what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, let's say many people have transformations and when they get ill. So we could go, oh, no, I give up. Mm -hmm. It all depends on your attitude. Or we could say, oh, there's something for me to really learn here. There's a real gift. And that in itself. The choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, even if a person dies, they die from a different place. The results are not nearly as important as the process. And I'm not saying that the results don't matter, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. the process of how you begin to live Mm -hmm. each day. Mm -hmm. And then I think once you make that process to embrace life, to accept all that comes that's where the, the co-creation comes in. I think the universe steps in mm-hmm. and recognizes that your consciousness has changed and you begin to see more synchronicities and serendipities in your life and more things that support you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That yeah. makes such sense. Yeah. And you are free this is where it comes back to you know moving from fear to freedom you are free to embrace those observe those and work with them right right so it's um, a very liberating to ha- to to come yes. from this place so this is the new human we're talking about correct hmm. um i want to just mention another client because this is so um it, because it comes to me in this moment. Mm-hmm. So I have another client who his brother committed suicide. Now we could all say, oh, no. And that's so sad on one level. And um, as she was grieving more than she's ever grieved for the loss of her mother or her father, um, who died naturally, So committing suicide is very different. Knowing her brother was very bright. um, She said, I take this as an opportunity and a commitment to my brother to live my full potential for him Mm -hmm. as well as for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you going, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Or are you going opportunity? Yeah. A person who is freer sees everything as an opportunity to grow, evolve. Mm -hmm. What, you know, everything, including um, the national level, the global level. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to become the new human um, so that you collaborate with 
like-minded others, right? Mm -hmm. So that you build a world that works for everyone, a world that supports everyone. Very different than the world we live in now. But again, I see, I, you know, it's funny, the other part of my answer is ever since I was a child, I always, I remember of this book by a man named Wendell Wilkie. I, it was a, a called One World. I always was called, you know, there, some of us are called, you know, to one world for love and peace. I think it, it is yeah. in us. Mm -hmm. It is in our unconditioned self, which sometimes we call love. Mm. Do you know? But you have to do the work. Yeah. And connection, uh, you know. With others. Yeah. So, and it doesn't have to be everybody. We don't have to, we just need to have what we used to talk about a couple of years ago called a critical mass. Mm -hmm. And that, I did want to mention something that Margaret Mead said, because I think that's really um, right on target. Um, Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. So we don't have, you know, what that requires is not everyone those people who are called and willing to do the work um, another psychologist um, a really humorous guy was giving a talk once and he said many are called and few are chosen he said that's what the bible says he said however the whole expression is many are called and few are willing to do the work <laughs> However, if you're called, right. <laughs> he, had, he had some good ones. He, um, I, you know, we'll see if it comes up. But what I think is so um, special about what you're saying here is so you do the work and you evolve yourself as an individual. It doesn't stop there. It's then no. and I, this focus on collaboration and co-creation and finding a community and like-minded people and it's through those connections and those shared philosophies and shared worldviews and shared, I don't know, openness, love and all those other things that the new human is exhibiting, that's that's the way we would create this new world. Exactly, exactly. So, and it's, you know, the Margaret Mead quote fits right in there, you know, it's, um, right. it's we do this together. Um, yes, and... We do, and together is critical because the nature of our relationships are the roots of how we developed in the beginning, you know, what, how we developed all those survival skills and, you know, what we're carrying from our ancestors, particularly our mothers, our biological mothers. So relationship is critical. And that's why it's so important to learn how to be in a relationship where you can truly speak and be safe to speak your authentic voice, mm. your truth, yeah. and feel free to listen compassionately to someone else, really listen and not be judgmental. Mm. So there are, there are, I mean, there are, there's a tool I could give you for that. You know, if, there's a lot of ways to do that. But that relational part, that communication part is critical. And it changes the brain all the time. So the other thing that's interesting about the brain um, and neuroscience is that the brain and the mind um, is always changing, always evolving that's its design it will keep changing all the time and in the last 15 years um, researchers have documented demonstrated that till we leave the planet we could keep learning so learning becomes the mm -hmm. key mm -hmm. you know yeah 
So, Linda, with, with regard to the topic, we've talked about the new human, but we haven't said much about the new world. Mm. So what is this collaboration of these um, people who have evolved to this um, degree of consciousness and are recognising what their contributions are and how they're, they're living in the world and how they can shape the world? What is this for you? You know, you chose this topic. So I'm, I'd love to hear your description of what, what we're – we have the potential, the capability, the possibility of co-creating through this this new information we have about us as a species. So years ago, I read a book called The Aquarian Conspiracy by Marilyn Ferguson. Mm -hmm. She was um, a brain mind person, um, I guess, way before her time. And she went through every discipline. And um, let's say education. Instead of a patriarchal education, which is mm-hmm. common, instead of an education in some where uh, in some countries where women aren't allowed education, mm-hmm. um, you would have uh, education where it's uh, heterarchy, where there's not a patriarchal hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at the education system and you start to change that. And then you'd start to have, not that nationalism may not have a place because each individual is different. So nationalism also reflects a culture that has something unique to offer. But you begin to have, I know that you've used the term yourself, you're a global citizen. Mm -hmm. You begin to have a worldview that says we're all in the same soup. Mm -hmm. I'm a global citizen, you know, so we have a nationalism. Then we have a view that we really are in one world. Mm. Well, what would that look like? Well, war would end. There would be no point in having war if we're, you know, we would say, what do we need to do to grow peace? What do we need to do together truly to grow peace? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that, well, certainly we need to have peaceful people come together. When peaceful people come together, it's really simple to put down your guns and take all of that um, money that's spent on the military, you know, us being afraid of each other. If we leave the fear of each other and we go, you're my brother, you're my sister. I mean, it's it almost sounds... Um, what should I say, you know, sophomore, Pollyanna, mm-hmm. but I don't think, not for a new human, mm-hmm. not for a new human who respects differences and knows there's a unique underlying similarity. Mm-hmm. So just begin to think we're building peace together. Wow, we're learning from each other. Um, we're helping people develop their full potential. Then we would approach the climate crisis um, really scientifically, really scientifically, not politically. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would say, is it, you know, first, what are the facts? You know, how do we do that? We would treat people kindly, even if they disagree with us. We would learn we we would become a different world in a, we would transdisciplinary you know we would we would go beyond each discipline yes. because we would see i'm thinking of um oh bill gates bill gates has a whole new theory the big history he calls it do you know that about that robin yeah mm. i um i ordered the stuff but i haven't read it yet mm. <laughs> but the, he, it's an approach to history, and I think, therefore, co-creating the future, that's an integrated approach in history where you really see. Well, I think this is where the work that I do and others in the world of appreciative inquiry is one of the methodologies that really facilitates people coming together to start to agree on 
what capabilities already exist. So we don't actually really have to reinvent the wheel but start from what works already and then begin to imagine. So we're always working towards what we want to create. Right. And so that's the focus of the attention and that does a whole lot of different stuff for the energy and, of course, it has a big impact on how the brain is working because you're really focusing the brain on, um, you know, different possibilities Mm-hmm. And that would mm-hmm. be what I understand would be strengthening that um, executive brain and consolidating um, mm-hmm. that capability. And so that would become more powerful and, and the collective action would kind of start. And from what I understand, um, appreciative inquiry is expanding now so that it all, you start from that place of, and that's really where I started. If we talk about mm-hmm. my journey, mm-hmm. you know, I kept, I had the vision, right? <laughs> that I had searched for all my life. Mm-hmm. And that vision was extremely powerful. And um, if, you know, appreciative inquiries, embracing embodiment, mm-hmm. embracing the shadow, because so many of us want to, Get to the promised land without going through the shadow. Mm. In my book, that's not possible. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. But if you hold the big, if you see the possibility, it's very different than you start from the the devolution and the yes. fear. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you talk about evolving and growing. I think many of these methodologies, we, we didn't have the knowledge of neuroscience 30 years ago when appreciative inquiry starts to understand that was actually what was happening. Correct. And so it's bringing newer modalities in that have always been there, but the language didn't exist. Exactly. In the past. Exactly. And it's so, um, I've always been a person that, um, honored alternative methodologies without having to make them evidence-based, which is the popular mode because we have a we live in a culture that really honors science, and to me, the Buddhists have been demonstrating the value of things like meditation for um, <laughs> thousands and thousands of years. Mm. However, the more I have dipped into the world of neuroscience, the more I appreciate that it's talking to a part of us, our left brain, we might say. It's very useful to be able to say, this is what happens. And we have the technology, um, functional MRIs, to Mm -hmm. demonstrate. Mm -hmm. You you know, um, when when a person is in love, you see in the fMRI what part of the brains light up Mm -hmm. and what neurochemicals like oxytocin are secreted. Oxytocin is the love chemical, Mm -hmm. the connection chemical, you know, so it's very validating and it's useful to honor our subjective and our objective experience and work with both of them together. Very good. Yeah. 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 Comes back to wholeness. And, you know, that brings up, you know, this whole, Um, socially constructed world so if you are a scientist you're going to look at the world through a specific set of lenses or a perspective if you're a romantic poet you might have a different set of lenses and a different perspective so it's the combination of all those so that we see what it is it's almost like a kaleidoscope you shake it all up and you get you know all kinds of possibilities Correct. And appreciating all these different perspectives. uh, Right. But what we're talking about is the scientist should also have the artist, be the artist. And I know you're into poetry and art. And again, your beautiful website, you know, does such a beautiful job of beautiful imagery that speaks to your message. So thank you. Very, very um, whole and. Um, integral, you know, it's all, it all comes together as one whole. But that's the key word, Mm. integration, Mm -hmm. integration, everything will come together. Once you've explored pieces that are pulling in opposite directions. So we have, that's a, that's a key word. Mm -hmm. It's a key concept. Yeah. Yeah. So we've touched on a number of them, embodiment and wholeness. Mm Mm-hmm. Integral, integral. Soul, um, soul. Yep. Spirit. Yep. 
So, Linda, with um, our time almost out now, is there anything else that you would like to touch on? Uh, on the show notes page, which will be a summary of this conversation. And by the way, listeners, if you're, um, it's episode 64, PS 64. So, yeah, just by way of conclusion, what else might you like to offer us? I will be offering a very practical, pragmatic home study course on um, uh, becoming the new human. And I might even not call it that because while I really honor that language, um, I might talk about shifting from overwhelm, burnout, you know, fear to freedom and um, with steps and tools and homework assignments. So I'd like to invite um, people to they have any interest in participating or exploring what I'm going to offer to either go to my website, uh, drlindacloud.com and sign up for the newsletter mailing list or contact me directly um, at drlinda with a Y cloud, K-L-A-U at gmail.com. And let me know that you want to be on my mailing list or contact me for any other reason. That's great. And I'll, and I'll put those um, on the show notes page so people can look at it if they're just reading. The embodiment exercise, we might have to come back and do some more. Um, I would love it. I'd really be open to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love that for that to happen as well. So I um, want to thank you so much for spending this time and sharing with us some amazing insights and the direction in which you're heading and you're not alone. We know there is a critical mass, to use that old term, but there is a collective spirit energy out there and we can talk about why now and all sorts of other things at a future time. But this has been a great start. So thank you very much, Linda. Thank you, Robin. I have enjoyed our conversation. Um, Really enjoyed. Yeah, goes for both of us. So thank you, listeners, and for those of you who are enjoying this show, don't forget to refer to your friends, and you can find the show notes, as I said, on positivitystrategist.com slash PS64. 64 is a good number. Six and four is 10. (laughs) And um, from a numerology place, that leads to a one, and we are talking about being on the cusp of something new. So Yay! interesting. <laughs> we are we are on it. <laughs> that's okay. great. Bye. Um, that's funny. It is okay. Funny. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best. Music